Will Kemp's players will perform The Legend of Sleepy Hollow from October 28th to 30th and November 4th to 6th at the Art Center of the Capital Region. And to help us get spooked and in the mood, we are now joined by Christophe Di Maria, who wrote the script and gave music direction for this production. Welcome. Thank you. So glad to be here. It is a well-known story, The Legend of Sleepy Hollow, but what is important to know about this story and its origins? Mm, So, Washington Irving's Legend of Sleepy Hollow comes out of a long tradition of the southern Hudson Valley telling and retelling ghost stories that have lived in that area for hundreds, if not arguably for some, thousands of years. Uh, For instance, as part of Washington Irving's research, he interviewed a lot of people in the town of Sleepy Hollow who talked greatly of leftover spirits from the Revolutionary War, for instance, a Hessian soldier who may have been decapitated by a cannonball still looking for his head. Or perhaps uh, there was known the Sint-Sink Wappinger-Lenape people who were displaced from that area uh, were also known to hold powwows. And many people thought that they had seen spirits of the native people of that land also roaming about. And so Sleepy Hollow is actually a folktale that would have been known by the people at the time. And so Washington Irving, in a way, was taking field research notes and creating this story out of something that already existed. That is really interesting. So you, beyond this being an incredible story, what attracted you to the story and made you want to write the script and music for the performance? Ah, yes, well. Not only have I been the playwright and the musician, I'm also playing the narrator. So I'll actually be performing. This play as an idea actually had its origin in 2018. I performed it as a one clown show, believe it or not, for the Fulton County Historical Society in Gloversville as part of their Halloween celebration. So uh, Samantha Saladino up there had popped the idea in my head about doing something Halloween-y and I was... I was struck by the story of Sleepy Hollow for many reasons. I mean, one, its actual origins of folktales from the land, the sort of anthropological look at our very own area, or at least just south of the capital region, and the zeitgeist of the time, which is late revolutionary, early Victorian. You know, this was published in the 1830s and... Uh, has a lot of colonial references to the Dutch and the English. So not only does the actual creepy story of the legend of Sleepy Hollow and the horseman without a head attract me, but the idea that this is a time in America that's very complicated and very new um, and in some ways problematic, but also in some ways very much the primordial era of what becomes our modern life as Americans here. And in a time when we're looking at shadow and waiting for light, the time when we're isolating from one another, which can feel like a ghost story of its own, we are deeply entrenched in mythology and and in our history as a way 
to stay in touch with the place that we are from and the people there and the people that were there. So, you know, this story really came out of that for me. Um, and also it's just, it's just darn well written. You know, it's, it's very florid, elegant language that works trippingly on the tongue. So it was also a lot of fun to adapt in that way. And in terms of the music, I adapted several folk songs of the Catskills that were collected uh, over the course of several decades in the mid to late 20th century that uh, contribute to the aesthetic world that this play is set in. So the adaptation, how, how do you take the story that is so well known and make it something that is your own and something of Will Kemp's players? Can you walk us through some of your process of working with somebody else's work? Absolutely. So uh, it's one part research. It's one part divination. Uh, it is one part experimentation. Uh, you pour that over ice, you add a little bit of lime juice and bitters, and you shake until completely uh, incorporated. No, in all honesty, yeah. So I read and reread and reread and reread the original story to get a sense of the rhythm of the piece, right? As a Shakespearean troupe that Will Kemp's players is, our focus is very heavily on the language and the rhythm that lives in the language and how that language informs movement and informs emotion in how this play is to be performed. Uh, just like in Shakespeare's words, they're often what you call embedded stage directions where you can actually know kind of what Shakespeare wanted the actors to do by what he set down. In Washington Irving's text, there are rich descriptions of the world and what happens, including the very exciting chase at the end that we've adapted into a little surprise for you all. Um, it means that I also have to handle it carefully, right? Not, not as a sacred text so much, not, not that I'm not willing to change anything or, but I want to reflect the ethos of the poetry. And so in order to do that, there were a lot of edits. There's a lot of writing, speaking it aloud, walking it through my body, experimenting with other people, uh, performing this as a workshop piece uh, for actually a friend's father whose favorite story was The Legend of Sleepy Hollow and who unfortunately joined the ancestors shortly after um, and just to see the effect that it had. And so after all those rewrites, we, we arrive at the Will Kemp's version, which Will Kemp's is what we like to call an original practices theater company, which means that we do Shakespeare in a way we imagine Shakespeare may have recognized, which means that there is not only an adherence to the text and an incorporation of music and dance that are within the world of the play, but also that there's audience participation and engagement, interaction, that the world of the play does not stop at the edge of the stage. It actually is behind us, around us, inside of us. And so we invite the audience to play along. And since this is a play about telling stories, the myth, the legend of Sleepy Hollow, we invite the audience to also participate in being characters in that legend. Uh, this also means that we perform with minimal tech. Um, you know, this is gonna sound funny, but we're, we're performing this at the Art Center right here in downtown Troy, which is a lovely black box theater. We normally perform outside, 
uh, with the lights on or just like plainly in the sun with very little reinforcement. And this is actually one of the first plays in a long time that will have lighting cues and sound cues and some stage mechanics. But still, it's, it's all very rudimentary for the purpose of keeping us in the storytelling world as participants, not as spectators, if that makes sense. When you walk me to, through that process, I can hear it being a complete total body involvement in the way that you're thinking and feeling and moving. And we are running out of time. I do want to, though, ask about the music, which the way that you were talking about the rhythm of the words, it almost sounds like the words in itself are a type of music. And um, when we think of being spooked, Music is such an important element of that. Even the silent film Nosferatu used mm -hmm. either live, performed, or dubbed music to help translate what was happening. So just to wrap us up, can you talk about utilizing music to get that feeling of spooky and Halloween across? Yeah, absolutely. So there's music in the words. You're absolutely right, CNN. Thanks for uh, identifying that. The vowel sounds, sleepy hollow, you know, ooh, already has a bit of that in it. And then the music. So there are several folk songs from the Catskills that are pulled in. Um, and those are not necessarily for our spooky moments, right? Because it's all about tension and release. So you have to have release in places where tension doesn't exist, just like you have to have rests in music in order for sound to have meaning. We use uh, the available random instruments, uh, pieces of like industrial equipment, uh, a loop pedal. Um, we find the range of the human voice and see some of the strange and wonderful things that it can do in order to create tension. And there's even a little bit of classical music in there. Uh, you know, this piece is very devised in that sense. Um, while the text was written and the script was there, all the blocking, the music, everything was brought together by the actors. And so we experimented a lot with what sounds we thought would exist in a dark and creepy forest that we could create and repeat and loop in and make happen around you, behind you, in front of you, maybe even bone-chillingly through you. Performances often feel like they are away from you, and this feels like you're really bringing in the audience. There's the breaking down that barrier. So for listeners who are interested in attending, what should they know? Ah, well, first of all, this is a very family-friendly show. So while there will be moments of scary, scary tension, please feel free to bring the little ones. Um, there really is something in it for everyone. You can find uh, tickets for the show at uh, our website, willkempsplayers.com. That's W-I-L-L-K-E-M-P-E-S players.com or through our Facebook or Instagram accounts by the same name, Will Kemp's Players. And it will be at the Art Center at the dates and times you mentioned. There'll be a Friday evening show at eight. Uh, Saturday, we'll have shows at three and eight. So there's a matinee. There's still daylight. It's a little less spooky. And then Sunday will be a matinee only. But do come. Tickets are actually selling pretty fast. What's something that I forgot to ask that you feel like is so important to understand about this performance coming up? Ah, the other people. Uh, we have to talk about the fact that these costumes, which are going to be vaguely in the same era, um, the 
the dramaturgy work that's been done by Ash Visker, the costumes that have been done by Sandy Boynton and Shay Fitzgerald, uh, the set uh, and props and puppets, yes, puppets, by Mike Lake and Phil Beatty. Uh, this is a very rich world. And so it has textural, visual, auditory, and tactile, and maybe even olfactory elements to enjoy. Uh, oh, and of course, a little bit gustatory because, of course, there could be pumpkin pie. Thank you so much for joining us on Hudson Mohawk Magazine, Christophe Di Maria. Sina, thank you so much. It was a pleasure to be here.